let the complaining begin. There we go. Okay. Grace and peace to each one of you. It's good to gather. I'm glad you're here. It must be July 4th coming up. Yeah? I think, uh, is it Little Eden? Is that what they call it? That's where a number of people have gone to. We should just take the whole church to Little Eden. Why do they get to? No, we're going to have fun here. It's going to be good. So, uh, And uh, last Sunday was just a gift, wasn't it? You know, celebrating the baptism of uh, Soren, um, Ellie, and Ben. What, what a gift. Uh, j- just to kind of celebrate with them uh, God's movement in their lives and uh, what that means for us as a community of faith. So it was a, definitely a gift. In 2001, Philadelphia 76ers star Allen Iverson, um, all-star uh, MVP, um, and his team made it to the NBA Finals uh, in 2001. They lost to the Lakers. Go Lakers. I'm a Laker fan. Uh, and then next year, they were, they were supposed to get back to the Finals in 2002. However, they didn't, and they had an early exit out of the first round of the playoffs, and uh, his team lost. And here's a press conference uh, shortly after losing. What are we talking about? Practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? We're talking about practice, man. We're we're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. We ain't talking about the game. We're talking about practice, man. When you come in the arena and you see me play, you see me play, don't you? You see me give everything I got, right? But we talking about practice right now. We talking about practice. Man, look, I hear you. It's funny to me, too. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's strange, it's strange to me, too. But we're talking about practice, man. We're not <clears> even talking about the game, the actual game, when it matters. We're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. <clears throat> Just a silly little clip. You're welcome. We'll move on. <laughs> practice. We're talking about practice. Why? Because it matters who we are now, and it matters who we're becoming. Okay? Um, you know, there, this is obviously in reference to uh, basketball, but uh, when we think about the Christian faith, it also takes practice. Amen? Does it take practice to be a Christian? Or do we just kind of get it as soon as we start following? It takes practice. We're talking about practice, all right? It matters not only in our lives, but it matters in the lives of our church, and it matters to the lives outside um, in the community as well. So personally, as it relates to faith, I've been traveling this road for 20 years in August, following, following Jesus 20 years coming up in August, two decades of walking, stumbling, running, resting, skipping with joy, crawling, and at times even wondering if this is the right path even to be on. Anyone been there? This road that we walk is a challenging one, but I'm thankful to travel it in this season with Metamore Mennonites. It has been a gift. Over the years, I've been introduced to different practices of the faith, spiritual practices. Now, coming to the age, uh, coming to faith at the age of 22, receiving instruction and discipleship from a mostly evangelical um, leadership and pastors, I was made aware of basically three 
practices. Three foundational spiritual practices. Uh, do these, Eric, and you will be a good Christian. Any guesses on what those three would be? Anyone? Just a, go ahead and ra raise your hand. What, what are the, like the three sort of foundational? Uh, any any guesses? What's that? Prayer. Yes, that is the third on, on my list. Yes. I was going to do a survey says kind of family feud kind of thing, but, huh? Yes, reading the word, prayer, and what's like the third most common spiritual practice for Christians? What's that? Yes, there we go. Also would have accepted worship, but yes, church. Uh, yeah, so the three foundational things, and it's true. I don't know about for you that these were the things that were told to me if you do these, go to church, read your Bible, and pray. Foundational. And it's true. In, in that season of my life, very, very life-giving to me. And still very much life-giving. They helped me to understand God, what he's up to in the world, and that we need to follow Jesus primarily to avoid hell, and to tell the, word about, the world about Jesus' saving love. I was, in that season, very hungry, eager for knowledge of the divine, knowledge, to figure out things here in my mind, and to build up the right kind of worldview and system of belief. So after two to four years of this, if somebody would have asked me, Eric, what is Christianity? I would have said, well, it's a system of belief. It's a system of belief. That's honestly what I would have said. So now, 20 years later, um, I just read recently that the most common uh, books, uh, material being purchased regarding faith and spirituality uh, here in the West are books on what faith tradition? Any guesses? The most common faith-oriented, spiritual-oriented books in the West, the most common these days, not Christianity, Buddhism. Buddhism. Why? Because Buddhism, at its core, speaks of a way of life, whereas Christianity too often is presented, as it was to me, as a system of belief. So say what you want about millennials and uh, others in this post-Christian culture. But there isn't much interest in a system of belief, but more of an interest as a, in a way of life. Okay? So now to be fair, Christianity at its beginning, at its inception, truly was indeed more of a way of life. But somewhere, somehow, in pockets, over the years, perhaps people have lost their way. Or, you could say, have lost the way. In the same chapter where Saul is converted into Paul, has his conversion, Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, belong to the way. Whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. I want to pause here and I want to consider this graph. 
faith as a way of life versus faith as a system of belief. Where have you been? For me, go one more slide, that's where I was early in my journey 20 years ago. Really the first two to four years. I was so high on the system and getting it right and all the knowledge, head, 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 okay? All right. So where are you? Are you here? Maybe you're here. Maybe, or is this the goal? Is this the goal? Or is it a 45-degree line from bottom left to top right? Faith as a system of belief and faith as a way of life. So since those early days, I've come to discover that the Christian faith is much more, has much, much more to offer than those three foundational practices. Go to church, read your Bible, and pray. That's what was handed to me, okay? Because a lot of those primarily are about knowledge and asking God for things in, in the realm of prayer. It's a different subject. So the truth is, is that the series could be a hundred-part series. It could be a a thousand-part series on spiritual practices. Um, But we can only dive into a few because the summer, I don't know why the summer is not like, goes forever. We we need to move to San Diego. That's what we need to do. Summer series can go all year round. Okay, I'll move on. Um, So it's just several weeks. It's just several weeks. And we'll dive into some of these practices. So Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the religion, the belief system, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, that's not what John 14, 6 says. It says, I am the way. What, 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 the what? The way. The way, the truth, and the life. That sounds better. Obviously, Jesus' goal was not to come to earth to start a new religion, but rather a new kingdom. But rather a new kingdom. Seeking the well-being, the flourishing, and the shalom of all creation. All creation. Us, this this world, all of creation. Now with this new kingdom, Jesus truly meant a new way of being in the world. Jesus was inviting us to a new way of life. A new set of values and ethics that come with a new vision for peace and how to attain that peace. So this new way simply calls for new practices. Jesus shares an invitation for common people to an uncommon life. I believe that with the incarnation of Jesus, Jesus didn't come to show humans how to become more divine. I think Jesus came to show humans a new way to be human. And he did it perfectly. Perfectly. So this new way requires new practices. We talk about practice? Are we awake? We talk, are we talking about practice? Are we? Okay. I'm trying. My kids would have laughed. They're, they're away. Oklahoma, so it's good. Um, Jesus shares in Matthew 11, in the message version, it says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you, you'll recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. 
walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. So there came a time for me where knowledge simply wasn't enough. It didn't seem to be enough to carry me in my life. I was tired at sometimes even stuck in, my, in, in a rut. And frankly, I got to a, a time in my, my, on this walk where, frankly, I was a little bored with this version of Christianity that was handed to me. Don't get me wrong. I'm grateful. Very foundational. Very important. Okay? But I remember a time where I said, is this all there is? Go to church. Read your Bible. Pray. Try not to sin. And serve others when possible. Okay? It kind of expanded for a couple more. Serve others. But I sensed that there was something more. Something deeper. Something new. I shared earlier that in my first years of following the way, it was primarily about learning, attaining, acquiring knowledge of the divine. And then about six to seven years ago, six or seven years ago, I began to be introduced to some new practices. Now, they were new to me, but they're ancient. Um, these ancient practices have been long lost in the Western versions of Christianity. In his book, Finding Our Way Again, Brian McLaren uh, provides a helpful, a helpful way for me to look at spiritual practices of the faith. Brian provides a good framework. Um, he provides some loose categories for practices. Um, loose because some spiritual disciplines and practices can kind of fall into multiple categories, right? So I can go back and forth. But, so here it is. It's, it's, um, he, he kind of breaks them into three uh, in his book here. Contemplative way. Oh, go back. It's all good. Contemplative way, communal way, and a missional way. Very much this morning we're practicing the communal as we are together. And I'll say more about that in a minute. But I want to start with the contemplative. This was new for me. What? Contemplative? What is what's going on here? So Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. Aristotle came by and improved upon that and said, a good life of happiness, well-being, or living well, he, meaning Socrates, is possible for those who give themselves to the practice of contemplation. With the contemplative way, okay, think solitude, think stillness, think reflection, think about an inward journey. Okay. When I was in high school, I had a basketball coach, Coach Moody. He didn't have gray hair back then. This is a newer picture. And he reminded us that practice makes what? Perfect. No, so... That's what, the, that's, what he would, that's what people say. He would say, practice makes permanent. That was his sort of MO. That was his thing. I mean, if I, if I haven't played basketball in a long time, I, my jump shot, it's not permanent. <laughs> it doesn't make it permanent. But I had to keep practicing to make it permanent. See what I'm saying? But I think when it comes to spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices, I would like to say that practice makes possible. Possible. Um, contemplative practice can serve as, you can look at it as, a, as the prep work where we become prepared to notice. Prepared to notice grace, 
in our lives. Prepared to notice God's activity in our lives and in the world around us. The contemplative can enhance our attention and expand our awareness of the divine. It can really just serve as a catalyst towards loving kindness, empathy, and grace for all. So contemplative practice as a larger category, it can be broken down into even more. And so the next slide here we'll have. So these categories of stillness can be creative and active contemplative thing, relational movement or ritual or cyclical, right? So you get this contemplative silence, centering prayer, meditation, Lectio Divina. Um, you've got uh, pilgrimage. Some folks just went on a pilgrimage from our church, Ireland. Um, Deep listening, spiritual direction, it's a new thing for me. I have a spiritual director, and I'm a spiritual director. I've been, I've received training for that. Um, ritual, retreat, which is one of our weeks of the series. Fixed hour prayer. So I, I, I wasn't handed this list early, but I've come to discover there's just way more to offer in this realm of being a Christian. So, got, you know, so this is just a list, and we're not going to, I can't, like, talk about all of them. We don't have that much time. Plus, it is warm in here. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I'll explain why it's warm in here later. Um, and these are only a few examples of the so many practices that are available to us, okay? We'll look at some later in the series. So just also, if we could think of contemplative as a, a practicing a posture or a state of being, that culminates, it sort of ends in this, this silent attentiveness, uh, attentiveness to God. It's more about listening and receiving than it is about speaking or expressing. Contemplative. And we'll get more into that in the series. But um, second category that um, Mr. McLaren gives us is this communal practice. If the contemplative practices are about a journey into me where I find how God is working out in my life, inward journey, the communal would be, a, it's, it's a journey into we as a community of faith, okay? The communal way can be centered in faith communities, um, and it could be formal gatherings such as a church, church service, or informal, small, gathering, uh, small groups, reading groups, and the like. We can think of the contemplative to the communal in this sort of way. Think of a 12-year-old uh, junior high, Eric Potter, playing the drums. I took lessons. Can you believe that? Drums. Can't carry a beat with a handle. I can't. Nothing. I got no musical talent. But I took up the drums, and I would practice at home. But you can only practice the drums for so long at home by yourself. You need a band. You need people to play with. And that's going from the contemplative to the communal. You need a community of faith. You need a community of faith. Because I can't drum solo forever. Nope. Nobody wants that. <laughs> right? So being part of a community, um, um, these communal practices together could be weekly like it is this morning, quarterly, annually, Mennonite USA Conference is this week. I'm leaving on Tuesday morning to go down to Kansas City. And when we gather, when we get together, either annual, you know, quarterly, monthly, or weekly, we gather to reaffirm 
one another's commitments and practices in community. Another quick example, I, I ran track at University of Northern Iowa. And when I was at Northern Iowa, the Panthers, right, Panthers, I had a team. And man, I worked hard. And you'd go to track meets and you would be running and the 800 meters was my specialty, my gift that I offered to the team. And when I had a, a team, a community of people cheering me on and I was cheering for them, man, it was fun. So good. And then after college, I decided to try the professional route and I ran for four years professionally, 2001 to 2004. I go to my first track meet and ain't nobody care about how I perform. Nobody, except for my wife. There is no team. There is no team. And so I missed that. I didn't anticipate that reality. So can we sort of be this contemplative and just practice alone? Man, there's, there's no fun in that. But to have a team, to have a community, look out. So that was, so the communal is vitally important. Vitally important. Because I could try to be a follower of Jesus by myself, but nobody would care. Jesus would, but probably nobody else. So when people come together, things happen. When people come, things happen this morning as we gathered. All right. There are a lot of gifts in this room, a lot of passions. Things happen. Um, and when, this, when things happen, it's called liturgy. Okay? Even if a church isn't liturgical, following like a church calendar, or, when, they, when they come together, it's, they still have a liturgy. Liturgy literally means work of the people. There was work put into the service. Kelly coming early for the slides, practicing the music beforehand, sermon prep, scheduling the nursery. There's the work of the people. I mean, there's coffee being made. Work of the people. So praying, singing, listening, preaching, even our postures of standing and sitting, sometimes kneeling, the work of the people. Sometimes litur liturgy is predictable and printed. That's sort of kind of... And sometimes the Holy Spirit des desires to do something new. New music, a guest speaker, extended response time that we tried for a season, right? But it always seems the Holy Spirit wants the offering to be part of the service. Okay. I'm going to, I'm done with jokes. Okay. Um, but even in small groups, when you gather, there's a liturgy. There's a welcoming at the door. There's eating food together sometimes, you know, snacks or a meal, watching a video curriculum, reading a book, studying God's word together, the sharing of prayer requests. There's a liturgy. There's a sending, see you in two weeks. Someone's leading, someone's bringing the food. All are participating. This is the work of the people. And so when we gather in a communal practice each week, there's intention, there's reasons for this, right? Um, when we gather, um, things are possible that simply are not possible in the contemplative alone. Practice makes possible. So this communal practice makes things possible. So we have a way of being with one another on a Sunday morning. 
different people offering different gifts. But when we visit a place like Zion Baptist Church, they have a little different way of being together, right? And in our sixth week of this service, or of, of the series, we're going to experience a different way of being together by traveling to McNabb, 30 miles north, and taking part of a Quaker meeting at Clear, Clear Creek Meeting House. So finally, missional practices, the third thing. Now, practices of the contemplative way exist to prepare ourselves for community or communal and mission, the missional. Communal practices exist to prepare and equip us for the contemplative and the mission. And missional practices, they flow from our individual contemplative to our shared communal practices. But without expression and mission, if it's not for the sake of others, our contemplative and our communal, incomplete and lacking. Incomplete and lacking. I would call it like a, a C-plus version of Christianity. We need all three for a vibrant, healthy, joy-filled, fruit-producing kind of faith. It's a dance. It's a dance. A holy trinity, if you will. It's not about me, the contemplative. It's not about us and the communal. It isn't complete until it turns itself outward into the world with God's saving love. Micah 6, 8 says, God has told you, O mortal, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to be missional here, to love kindness, loving kindness in a communal sense, and to walk humbly, walking humbly with the Lord, seeking to walk humbly with the Lord, contemplative. So this communal showing hospitality to strangers, and then this serving in millions of ways in the community, associating with the lowly, giving to the poor, confronting evil, and replacing that with good, forgiving those who wrong us, doing justice in the world. This is the mission. It, it, but the chance for possibility or success in that, unless it's contemplative and communal, good luck. It may not be ongoing and sustainable. So we talking about practice? But we talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? We talking about practice, man. We talk, we're talking about practice. So in this diagram, in this, this uh, triangle here, is there a favorite of yours? Is there in your life, do you sort of camp out in sort of one direction? I'm more the community man. I cannot wait for Sunday morning or, or small group or whatever, whoever you're journeying with. Or man, it's just, man, I get that contemplative. Mm, I might skip church and just be contemplative today. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying that that's, okay. Missional, oh man, I just, that's so life-giving to serve. Etc. shop, open arms weekend. I mean, in the, in, the, in the many ways that you all serve in the community. What happens if one of these is taken away? Uh, or, or, or maybe there's, there's something, uh, for me, 20 years, 14 of which 
no idea about the contemporary church. No idea. But this has been sort of introduced or brought to me, or God's brought that awareness to me. Man, whoo, look out. Man, it's, it's just, it's so life-giving. It's like, oh, if you've ever had that question, is this all there is? I had that question. In Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abraham, or Abram, to leave your country, your family, your father's home, for a land that I will show you. Abram was invited to leave the familiar, to leave the comfortable, and head into the unknown. The unknown places that God will show him. Genesis chapter 4 says, so Abram went. He left those familiar ways of being and he took a journey. He went. Maybe today and in this series, this practice series, is an invitation for you. Uh, an invitation to in new ways of being. New ways of practicing your faith. This, uh, this contemplative for me personally was a stream of Christianity that was previously unknown to me. And I'll share more about what I've experienced in later weeks. So if you have ever thought, is this all there is? Go to church, read your Bible, and pray, serve when it's possible. Perhaps this invitation is to, take, to go on a journey. In whatever area you might, it, it could be good to grow in. And may we, in that process, discover that there's more and more and more and more and more to this movement that Jesus started. There's more to this way of being. We can leave the familiar um, and the comfortable. The, the invitation is to leave the familiar and the comfortable and set out for unknown places that God will show us. And may we become more awake to God and his work on our journey. Amen.